Singer with my co-host, Pastor Brian Leversey, the only show in America where you'll experience the fusion of church and state. So, on the Voice of Truth radio show today, we'll be engaging in vigorous, robust discussion on culture, history, current events, all from a biblical perspective. So, we're live this morning. If you're wondering who we are, what we're doing on the radio right now, we we thought we'd do some live stuff in the morning, right, Pastor? We just interrupted a bunch of people's day, just jumped right in, like, here we are. <laughs> right, they're expecting they're expecting something else, but uh, I think you'll enjoy the show, folks. We usually uh, we usually uh, have a recorded show Thursdays at five o'clock, Saturdays at uh, at three o'clock. And uh, we're going live. We're going to try it live for a while. We think you folks will enjoy the show. We, uh, we're just going to hit culture and current events, uh, political stuff too, and give a biblical perspective. What's God had to say about it? What's going on in the culture? And, um, and so on. So um, we, uh, we're going to talk about a few things in the first segment, just a few fun things. Then we're going to address uh, Columbus Day. In the next segment, we usually have four segments on the show to folks that uh, haven't heard us before. We have generally go with four segments. The first one um, uh, is, uh, is going to be a few fun stories today. And then we're going to hit uh, Christopher Columbus because the leftists and the Marxists are trying to destroy him like they're trying to destroy everything else. I have a story here, Pastor, that... Uh, we may not have time to get to today. Probably not, but we can try it uh, another time. The front line of the battle to save America is Virginia. So every uh, all the history of the founders, you know, most of it, much of it happened in Virginia. Yeah, we like to go down to Williamsburg a lot. Yeah, <clears throat> and, you and can they're stay, destroying everything. Yeah, down there. they are. And it's you going can, woke. Everything's going woke. It is, and, and you can you go down there, and everything's about um, a twist on an askew on what actually happened in history, and it's in that one place where all of our our birthing history for our nation happened, and so. If, if all of those folks down there get their hands on it and are able to pull it apart, we'll have nothing left to yep. be able to really share with our, our generations to come. And that is that is uh, what Marxism does. That was Marxist goal. Karl Marx said, if you sever uh, the people from their history, uh, it's easy as pie after that. Yeah, they and have no was, roots. They got, they got no roots. They got no history to go back to. They have no belief system except for their own. Um, so we're going to we're going to defend um, Christopher Columbus in the next segment. Stick around because we got a clip from the great Christian historian David Barton. It's about an eight minute, uh, eight minute clip where he he talks about the real history uh, with uh, Christopher Columbus. You will enjoy it. So we got uh, great stories all the way through today, and uh, the first one is in the aftermath. You listening, preacher? Are you with me here? In the aftermath of the devastating hurricane, 
Um, guess what happened? Tesla, the electric vehicles, started catching on fire. I mean, like, hold on. I'm going to have to pull this up because when I print these things, hold on, folks. Would you get a big ad covering up all the meat? Yeah. <laughs> Can they not fix that? I mean, how hard it's is so it? so frustrating. How hard is it? To, in the aftermath of the devastating Hurricane Ian, that's a hard name to pronounce, in Florida, things are going from bad to worse. The destruction is massive and also ongoing. Oh, it's awful down there. God bless those folks. That's because even though the hurricane occurred over a week ago, and this this, is, this story is about a week old. Its after effects are mounting. These include the instances of Tesla EVs, electric vehicles, exploding into flames around the state. That doesn't sound good. <laughs> Honey, uh, our car just blew up. <laughs> uh, can you go to Dollar General? Well, our car's on fire. You know the $80,000 car, car we just bought? It's, uh, it's burning in the driveway right The now. mixture of electricity, keep this in mind, folks, for future reference, the mixture of electricity and salt water leads to these latent fires. Look, I like Tesla. I'm an uh, I'm Elon Musk fan, but man. All right, so Florida State Fire Marshal Jimmy Petronas on Twitter wrote, there's a ton of EVs disabled from Ian. As those batteries corrode, fires start. That's a new challenge that our firefighters haven't faced before. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh. Wow. At, least, uh, at least on this kind of scale. In Naples, Florida alone, there have been four reports of Tesla fires since Hurricane Ian struck. So listen to how these electric fires are different than your average fire. EV fires have always posed problems for firefighters. The energy stored in the batteries doesn't dissipate over time, so you have the stored energy in the batteries. Stephen Gollin with Fort Lauderdale Fire Rescue told uh, News Nation, just because the vehicle is submerged doesn't mean the energy is discharged in any way. Anytime you mix electrical components and salt water together, it's a recipe for disaster. Apparently. So if you're going to get an EV, stay out of Hurricane Alley. Um, all right, so this gets interesting. This has been a known problem for some time in Florida. Isn't the first instant, uh, instance of it happening. In 2018, Italy's port of Savona became flooded. Stored there were Maserati hybrids for export, a number of them caught fire when the salt water leaked into the lithium-ion batteries. Salt, uh, salt's a killer. Salt, um, <laughs> for electric vehicles we need, especially. We need low-sodium cars. <laughs> okay, listen to this. To put out these very hot fires can take thousands of, ga- of uh, gallons of water to put out. Tesla, uh, Tesla's emergency response guide says... <laughs> uh, uh, the response guide says uh, between 3,000 to 8,000 gallons of water are necessary to extinguish an EV fire. That is a lot of water. So, yeah, we're going to put this in perspective in the next sentence. For gas-powered vehicles, it takes on average around 1,000 ga- <laughs> gallons. So, uh Florida has 95,000 registered EVs, according to uh, the Department of Energy. Um, So there you go, That's some of the growing pains with technology. I remember, because I was in the um, telecom 
industry for a bit. I remember when cell phones were blowing up. You remember that? The batteries were were overheating and, you know, they weren't letting certain models on planes because they'd catch fire and blow up on you. So Yeah, give me a give me a gas powered engine every day of the week. Teslas can be cool. If you've ever sat next to one in traffic I've been in one when it takes you? off. It's like it's like one of those roller coasters that goes from zero to yeah. hundred in two seconds. It's just as soon as you hit the gas, boom, you're gone. Yeah, it's amazing. They, they can be cool. Yeah. Um just but, not when they uh, catch fire. <laughs> yeah, just keep them out of the ocean. Don't be yeah. driving them in the ocean. No. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. All right, so we forgot to do the clock here, Pastor. Uh, all right, so that is the Tesla story. I thought you folks would find that interesting. And then what else did I have on my thing here? So there's a great little story here. Um uh, a great little story about Aaron Judge. Does everyone in the room know who Aaron Judge is? Baseball player yes, for sir. the New York Yankees. Used to be with the Dodgers, I think, too. I, I don't know. I, I never, That's how I know him from, from uh, being oh, back there. because you lived in, the in yeah. California. Yeah. So Aaron Judge has been— Is uh, he a pitcher? He is a no. He's no. A, he's a, he's a, a home run hitter. Home run hitter, Pitchers right. are yep. not home run hitters. Um, so his story is, is, is just really fascinating. So and he he's he's he ended the season with sixty two home runs. Wow! Compared, now he's behind these other guys, McGuire and Sosa, mm. and the the, the guys Raiders, that, the... the the guys that pumped their <laughs> arms up with with uh, steroids. But Judge, uh, as far as I know, he's got a great reputation. Um, his, his story is interesting because of of his his upbringing. Uh, let me see where I start here. With 27 games remaining in the regular season, including a doubleheader scheduled for Wednesday, which is, this, this story is about a month old, the Yankees slugger Aaron Judge is on pace to hit 65 home runs, which he almost did, an American League record and tops in Major League history if you discount the steroid era. <laughs> Barry Bonds, Mark <laughs> <The> McGuire. <laughs> yeah, they are. Uh, and uh, Sammy Sosa, measuring six foot seven and weighing in at two hundred and eighty-two pounds, judges colossal in physical size and stature, but stands even taller in reputation as mm-hmm. one of baseball's good guys. A man who pri- prioritizes his Christian faith and credits the love and care of his family. For his baseball success, drafted by the Yankees in 13, Aaron Judge is now in his seventh Major League season, not since the days of Mickey Mantle and Roger Maris in the 60s have the Bronx Bombers had someone with such consistent, explosive power. Beyond the standouts, sheer muscle and mass, what's behind his prowess and accomplishments, they ask? My parents are amazing. They've taught me so many lessons, judges said. I honestly can't thank them enough for what they've done for me. So he's thanking his parents. And this is a focus on the family story. Uh, And it goes on to talk about uh, his Christian faith and uh, his favorite verse. I would would read it, but we're we're a little out of time in this segment. But uh, uh, his parents took him in. Uh, when he was a baby, you know, they got him young. They adopted him and uh, uh, took him in and raised him. And he said they told him that 
He was adopted when he was about 10, and he said, huh, okay. <laughs> Didn't bother him a bit. He said, they've always been my parents, and I love them, and that's cool. Yeah. And uh, so that shows you. That's great. Adoption is of God. Yeah. And God, God creates that relationship even though it's not biological it's yeah. a beautiful thing given his beginnings and rise to fame it shouldn't be a surprise that the home run leader claims second corinthians 5 7 as his life verse for we walk by faith not by sight great little story thought it would be a fun way to begin it's great uh so we're gonna bump out of here and when we come back you're gonna want to hear this it's about an eight minute clip from david barton and um, I'll, read a, I'll read a little story from Intellectual Takeout to, um, to segue into it. But uh, don't go away, folks. You're listening to the live version of Voice of Truth Radio with Mike Azinger and Brian Leversey. We'll be right back. Thousands of businesses are established every year. Each began with a good idea. Not wishful thinking, but they won't get started if the idea is never shared. God has given us a good idea. Share His love through radio, because people need the encouragement of a God-sized message. At this station, we can't let anything come between God's good idea and what you hear. We refuse to be shy about news that changes lives. We will be confident that the encouragement we share is just what you need, and we will be optimistic, knowing that you might be one who needed to hear what we're bold enough to share. When people believe in our good idea, they have voluntarily supplied finances that make this good idea great. Help us share God's good idea. Praise FM at praisefm.net. Hi, this is Brian Leversee, Senior Pastor here at Fellowship Baptist Church, and I would love to invite you to come and worship with us. Our services are Sunday at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m., and then again in the evening at 6 p.m. We have our Sunday school programs at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 p.m. Exciting things are happening at Fellowship Baptist, and I would love to see you there. God bless. A portion of today's programming on Praise FM 103.9 and Faith Talk 1450 is brought to you by Reno Refinishing. Reno Refinishing is a locally owned and operated furniture repair and refinishing shop. Mike McKenzie, the owner and operator of Reno Refinishing, has 25 years of experience in furniture repair and restoration. Reno Refinishing is available for a free quote to strip and refinish a favorite furniture piece, fix a broken table or chair, or bring a family heirloom back to life. The motto of Reno Refinishing is, no job too big or too small. The phone number for Reno Refinishing is 740-376-0342. And their before and after pictures can be seen at facebook.com slash Finish. We are thankful for Mike McKenzie and our friends at Reno Refinishing for their support of listener-supported Praise FM 103.9 and Faith Talk 1450. Welcome back to the Voice of Truth Radio Show. This is your host... State Senator Mike Azinger with my co-host, Pastor Brian Leversey, Pastor of Fellowship Baptist Church. That's where we record. And uh, so you're probably not, uh, if you're wondering, what are we doing here on the morning? We're going live is what we're doing. We yeah, always have a show. Out. <laughs> we record at uh, usually on Wednesday morning. Today's Wednesday. And then the show the show uh, is uploaded by Tim Daller at uh, Thursdays at 5 Saturdays at three, and we podcast. Do we still podcast? Yes, Tim. Yes, at uh, 
Voice, Voice of, of Truth, Truth with, with Mike Azinger. Thank you. That was uh, very good. I, I like the sound. Yeah, there's no redos. We're live now. We've got to. <laughs> <laughs> we got to do it the first time. We got to watch it because we're not used to being live, and we got to watch what we say. <laughs> you know. All right, so let's. Uh, here's what we got. We have a clip. Uh, so, so Monday was was Christopher Columbus Day, which means you probably heard him um, maligned and lied about, and so on on Monday because that's what the left is doing to him like they do to they're doing to all of our uh, famous founders and he would be like a pre-founder obviously but uh, he was a great great man um, and so we have to do the usual was he perfect no he wasn't perfect neither are you neither am I nobody's perfect but uh, he was a a a man of of uh, just the, the millennium that he lived in and that uh, uh, we just left. So this is an eight-minute clip. It's in defense of Christopher Columbus. It will teach you what you've probably never heard before, and then when we come out, we'll talk a little bit about it. So, uh, Tim, put him on. This is a primitive personal opinion. Since we don't know it's true, my opinion is as good as anything else that's out there. Now, having... Use that as the background. Now let's take and let's turn toward the news. Let's turn toward all the statues that are out there and what's happening with statues. One of the very first statues to start coming down were statues of Columbus. I mean, Columbus came down early. Here's a good headline. Christopher Columbus statues torn down, drenched in paint, defaced in cities across the country. This was a national move to get rid of Columbus statues. And why would we want to get rid of Columbus? And all you have to do is get on a quick, just look for memes. Just, just do a social media search. Just, just pull up Google, Bing, anything, whatever your search engine is, and you're going to find things like this. I don't always celebrate enslavement and genocide, but when I do, it's Columbus Day. Oh, I see. Columbus Day is about celebrating genocide and enslavement. And same over here. Savage. Stop genocide, racism, and imperialism. Stop the celebration. Create hope for a new world. So Columbus, what we had, Columbus, is he is the epitome uh, of racism and, and genocide and enslavement, and that's why we can't celebrate him anymore, and that's why the statues have to come down. And so the, the statues are coming down across the nation. Columbus statues, you look for a Columbus statue, it's defaced, it's beheaded, it's been attacked. Here's the interesting part. In the 500 years since Columbus arrived, we have had more than 600 statues erected to Columbus. Now, I will point out there's not many folks anywhere in the world that have had 600 statues erected to them. So, wait a minute. This is 500 years we've been erecting statues to Columbus. So, am I to assume that we right now and this generation, we're the first generation in history to know the truth about Columbus? Every previous generation got him wrong. They didn't know. They didn't or either that or they accepted enslavement and genocide and racism. And I'm not sure which it is, but we're the first ones to finally get it right in 500 years. That's got to be the assumption or, or else we, we've got to say that every previous generation prior to us, they tolerated and embraced and, and celebrated racism and genocide and slavery. So maybe there's more to the story than what we know today. And as a matter of fact, maybe there's more to the history, or even more importantly, what is the truth about Columbus? Now, this is a thing that is not hard to know. Uh, Columbus, 
Look about the truth about Columbus. There were a couple thousand guys that went on his various voyages. Uh, they have records. We have records of many of those who went with him. Uh, we actually, in the collection here, have records from his son. His son published records of his father. Uh, one of our American diplomats, Washington Irving, actually went to Spain as ambassador in early 1800s. And when he was in Spain, he spent lots of time in in the libraries there actually reading the documents of those who went on the voyages what they saw what they found what they experienced he did a three volume set on the life of Christopher Columbus it's one of the most comprehensive works ever done on Columbus and so as you look at what's out there it's possible to know what happened because they kept records and so what's the truth well the first question I would ask about Columbus is do you know how many voyages he made and people say, well, it doesn't matter how many he made. He was a racist, genocide, he was a maniac and a slave. Yes, it does matter how many voyages he made, because if you don't know how many voyages he made, that's one of the most elementary facts about Columbus. And if you don't know that, you probably don't know the rest of the story. If you don't know the simple stuff, you don't know the detailed stuff. So let's talk about the four voyages that he made. The first voyage starts in or actually ends in the Western world in 1492. This is the painting inside the, the U.S. Capitol, Columbus landing there in the Western world. And when he came ashore, the natives that he met were called the Tainos. And, and the Tainos, uh, he really had a great relationship. He said these are the greatest people ever. He wrote back to the king and queen, and, and he wrote in his journals about how these are the kindest and gentlest people. And to the king and queen, he said, these people need to be citizens. They need the rights of citizens. They need the equal rights. They're great people. And so he really, really, really has a good relationship with the Tainos. And, and so they become friends. But interesting thing, the Tainos say, hey, you need to understand we're not the only natives in this region. There's others that you need to know about. And so they warned Columbus about what were called the, the Canibs or the Caribs. Now, Canibs is where we get the word cannibal. Caribs is where we get the word Caribbean. And so they said, Columbus, you like us. That's great. We like you. Um, but there's another tribe you really need to be careful of. And Columbus, I mean, they told him about the cannibals, and they told him about how the cannibals came and ate, ate the, the Tainos and how that they killed us and eat us. And, and, and Columbus just kind of blows it off. He really doesn't believe that. Uh, I mean, this is, after all, 1492. They're so civilized in 1492. Who's got, who's got cannibalism in 1492? So Columbus really blows it off. So having now found the Taino to be a good people and finds this is a great place to live, he decides it's time to go back to Spain. I'm going to go back to Spain, and I'm going to get more supplies and come back because we've got great situation here with great people. So as he starts to return to Spain, one of his ships runs aground as they leave. And that ship that runs aground is damaged so severely that they cannot get it back in operation. Well, he doesn't have enough space on the other ships to take all the crew from that damaged ship and put them on the others. So he said, guys, I'm going to leave you here, but it's great. Tainos are great. We've got great relations with them. Uh, I'm going to build your fort, and you guys just wait here. I'll be back really shortly. I'm just going to get supplies. Be right back. So Columbus leaves and heads off to get supplies. He comes back, and this is what his second journey is. So as he comes, while he's gone, before he comes back, the Tainos arrive, and they find his men, and they find the fort. And the Tainos attack his men, attack the fort, and they cannibalize his men. And the Tainos later t told him that th these cannibs arrived, they attacked your guys, they, they attacked your men. We chased them off before they, before they could fully cannibalize your men. So Columbus gets back, and he now finds that all of his men are dead. 
And all these men he left behind are dead. They've been cannibalized. This is a, now he believes, all right, you guys told me about it. I didn't believe it, but it really is. And so what happens is he starts looking for the Cana villages. And he goes into a Cana village, and one of the Cana villages into, into which he goes, uh, he finds there about 50 huts of Taino women. And now Tainos are his friends, and he finds 50 huts, and they only have women in the huts. And so he finds them and says, what's the deal? And they said, well, actually, we're the food farm for the cannabis. They rape us, and all the children we produce, they eat. Uh, the cannabis like to eat men, and they like to eat infants, but they don't like to eat children, and they don't like to eat women. So instead of eating us, they bring us back here to produce food for them. And actually, it turns out the cannabis would go from island to island, depopulating the entire island. They would live on the island until they'd eaten everyone there, and then they'd go to another island. So these women are, are, are the food farm, and, and, and they explain to Columbus that, you know, these, these cannabis, they're, they're kind of selective with who they eat. And this is what they told them. They said, when the Caribbeans take any boys as prisoners, they remove their organs, fatten the boys until they grow to manhood. And then when they wish to make a great feast, they kill and eat them. For they say the flesh of boys and women is not good to eat. So that's why they do infants and that's why they do full grown, but they don't do women and they don't do children. So Columbus frees them, and Columbus then proceeds to find the, the rest of the, the, the Caribs, the, the cannabis, and so he attacks them. Uh, now, these are the guys that have been slaughtering his friends and slaughtering his men, and this is a period that we would call the Age of Conquest. And the Age of Conquest, when you conquered an enemy back then, you only had two choices of what you did with an enemy in the Age of Conquest. Number one was you could kill the enemy, or number two, you could enslave them. And the reason there wasn't much middle ground is, I mean, think about it. Columbus is taking on a people that eat others, eat his friends, eat his men. How do you wean them off that? You say, hey, let's get you guys on a different diet. Why don't you only eat people on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday and don't eat them the rest of the... No, that you don't have that kind of compromise when you have such an opposite culture. And that's what we see even in the Bible. When the children of Israel arrived at the Promised Land, God said, you're going to have to destroy these people. They sacrifice their children in the fire, and he goes through all the abominations, and you go, oh my gosh, how can anybody have gotten to that point? I hope you enjoyed that. Look, it was a little rough uh, talking about Columbus, but that was life back then. Hmm. You're talking uh, 1492 or whatever year it was, thereabouts, and everyone says, oh, uh, Columbus raped and pillaged and murdered. Do you know who he wiped out? He wiped out the cannibals. That's who he wiped out, those people that were doing those great evils. And Barton, right at the end of the clip, Pastor, makes the comparison, which I think is uh, very legitimate in terms of the Israelites going into the Promised Land. And God said that the, the people of the Promised Land, that, that the Israelites wiped out, and, and it was men, women, and children. He would, he would uh, almost always have the Israelites wipe out the whole city, and sometimes even the animals also, the, but everything. And uh, uh, Barton makes that comparison with Christopher Columbus in terms of how Columbus was uh, wiped out the cannibals in the, uh, in the Caribbean area who were, who were just degenerate. 
Yeah, I have to confess, I don't know much about the detailed history of Columbus. And uh, so I can't speak from a point of view of other than what I've just listened to, but I can speak of concerning scripture. And that was a very common practice. God actually used his called out, redeemed, chosen people. He, he used them as his light of truth. And whenever they came into an area, as they were taking the land that God had given them, and they'd come across these pagan, heathen, Uh, nations that were doing unspeakable atrocities to their own population, Um, God said, hey, uh, these people are of a reprobate mind. These people have turned against me and all of nature. And so you're to go in there and utterly destroy them and wipe them out. And we even find the occasion where Saul was to go in and wipe out all of the Amalekites, men, women, children, everybody. The whole culture was to be wiped out. And Saul ended up saving uh, the best of the culture and really lost favor with God. God had to not just reprimand him, but chasten him severely. He he really lost his um, you know perpetual kingdom as far as just being able to pass that down. God removed it from him at that point, really, and uh, already uh, was for for foreshadowing the fact that there would be another uh, because of that sin. He did not wipe out uh, all the Amalekites, and that comes back to bite the Israelites later on because yeah. we find that the seed of the Amalekites then cause unspeakable trouble for Israel later on because they weren't wiped out initially. So, so God generally knows what he's doing. God's pretty smart about stuff. <laughs> about 100% yeah. of the time. Uh, so I, I want to read a little bit from this article from Intellectual Ta- Takeout. They have a great website, intellectualtakeout, I think, .com, .org, but you can find them on Facebook also. I read a lot of their stuff because it's so uh, – about everything they put out there is out of the box uh, and and just counter culture. And this – the article – title of this one by uh, Devia, uh, Devin Foley is called Columbus Was Awesome. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Columbus was awesome. Look, he was, he was uh, like few men in history. He was intrepid and courageous to the hilt. And let me just read a few paragraphs from this article because we heard about why he slaughtered the uh, – the cannibals, I mean, and the the evils that they the cannibals were doing, and uh, to defend his men, they wiped out his men, cannibalized his men, um, and uh, let me just start here. Yes, it's in vogue to forsake our Western heritage. To see dead white men is uh, as evil barbarians. But let's be honest, the reason they've been celebrated is because what they did, despite their sins, was incredible. Columbus is certainly one of those men. In an age when many teenage Americans are too terrified to even state their opinion in a high school class for fear of getting a bad grade and not getting into college, Columbus was already sailing the ocean blue with reports that he went as far as the coast of Guinea in West Africa that's several thousand nautical miles from his home port. Dirt poor and already denied twice, Columbus finally won over Queen Isabella of Spain, who then influenced her husband, King Ferdinand, to support the expedition across the Atlantic. And so it was on August 3, 1492, that Admiral Columbus set sail into the great unknown with a a squadron of tiny ships, we know them as the Nina, the Pinta, 
and the Santa Maria. Now, put yourself into the expedition, the article says. In looking back, modern man seems tempted to harshly judge every sin of a man whom the current culture has chosen to be against. Mm -hmm. So that's critical race theory, critical theory. While failing to judge the whole man and what he accomplished. How many today would have the would have the courage of not just Columbus, but of the other 120 men aboard those little ships at most 60 feet long? They build uh, motorhomes that you know that long now, but but that's how short these small wow. these ships were, and uh, to sail into the unknown, likely to fail and even to die. Uh, so there's a poem here. I was tempted to read it. It's a little bit long, but it's a famous poem by. Jaquin Miller, J-O-A-Q-U-I-N Miller. It's a great little poem about about uh, Columbus. When people are writing poems about you, generally you've done something exceptionally good or exceptionally bad. But uh, in this case, Columbus's case, it's exceptionally, exceptionally good. And so it was on October 12 that Columbus and his men landed in what is now the West Indies. Such a short story should be remembered and celebrated. As for Columbus and the native populations, the story is mixed and so on. We just heard from David Barton on that. But Barton made the point, um, I, I had to step out for a minute. Uh, I, I hope he made the point in the clip that we played uh, that uh, uh, that Columbus, oh, where am I going? Columbus uh, cleaned the Caribbean of of. Headhunters of, of cannibals, of these yeah. evil, demonic even, people. If you're eating people, Pastor, how, how far down are you? I think that's pretty low on the rung of depravity at that it's, point. It's I mean, probably it's, as low as you can yeah. get. And, and, you know, I think another good point that was made, um, and, of course, I, I just heard the clip for the first time, so processing it was, you know, we, we have an arrogancy about our culture today where we think we are the supreme judge of all motives and situations. And, you know, for what, how many hundreds of years have people been building statues and lauding the the uh, work of Christopher Columbus, and now all of a sudden we're the only generation who, who gets it right about him. We're the only generation removed from immediate history. We're the only generation that now can levy judgment on what he's done and consider him um, uh, a villain and tear down his statues. And and then they went after the presidents, and then and now they'll come after you and me. It's just it's never going to stop because this is what, as you say all the time, this this spirit of critical theory does. It just totally disintegrates the foundations of of your culture. Uh, Bart, <clears throat> excuse me, Barton talks also about, in this clip, I'm, I'm going to tell you the clip in case you want to look it up yourself, but um, it's, it's a David Barton clip. If you aren't familiar with him, go to wallbuilders.com. Um, everybody should be familiar with David Barton. Um, he's a uh, an ex- exceptional historian. He tells the truth about history. From a from a biblical Christian perspective, he has knowledge like like few people I've ever met. But the video he does lots of videos. This one was called uh, "It's a One Room Schoolhouse." That's this series they're doing. And um, calling, let me see here. David Barton takes you through the history of Christopher Columbus. So, so probably go, if you Google Google that on YouTube, yeah, uh, David Barton takes you through the history of. Christopher Columbus, and you can listen to the whole thing. It doesn't. It's not all about 
uh, Columbus, but much of it is. I need to post a link. You can post the link. Tim Dowler's going to post the link. Yes. Uh, and a couple others I'd like you to post t- to, Tim. I thought about this. One uh, is a an article by Stephen McDowell and another one by Bill Federer, who uh, who we had on the show last week during Sherathon, uh, just so folks can, can get information on Christopher Columbus from these Christian historians who are going to give you the truth about it. Uh, just Pastor made the point that uh, what Barton said in that video is, you know, uh, it's been 500 years, 550 years since uh, Columbus did his exploits, and he's been venerated uh, since then to the nth degree. 600 statues all over the world to Christopher Columbus, but all of a sudden these uh, these critical theory and these little Marxists on these campuses, these professors and so on, um, know the truth about him. And he was an evil man and did all these horrible things. But uh, nobody, nobody has seen that. Like Washington Irving um, went to, um, I think, Italy and, and studied Columbus for a long amount of time and wrote a three-volume book on it. He didn't think that Columbus was evil, but all of a sudden we know he is. So uh, look that look that video up and um, uh, be ready to defend Columbus every Columbus Day or whenever you meet somebody because he was a foundational figure in Western civilization. All right, uh, we'll be back in a minute. This is the Voice of Truth radio show going live. Uh, stay tuned. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. There was a Roman soldier who trusted Jesus enough to send him a message. His servant needed healing. The soldier believed without needing to see and without needing Jesus to make a house call. This soldier knew he didn't deserve to be in the presence of Jesus. He was convinced that the servant would be healed if Jesus just said he was healed. This man had learned to trust those with authority, and Jesus had authority. This Roman centurion trusted the outcome to the command of one who could change outcomes. Jesus knew faith when he saw it, and this veteran showed an unexpected faith. God is the master of impossibilities. He's strong when you're weak. Bring your sin and he'll bring his forgiveness. His authority means you can trust his plan. Follow, get the help you need. Praise FM, your home for today's gospel music. Hi, Hi, this is Brian Leversee, Senior Pastor here at Fellowship Baptist Church, and I would love to invite you to come and worship with us. Our services are Sunday at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m., and then again in the evening at 6 p.m. We have our Sunday school programs at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 p.m. Exciting things are happening at Fellowship Baptist, and I would love to see you there. God bless. Welcome back to the Voice of Truth radio show. This is uh, our live segment, folks. We're going to try some live radio in the uh, in the morning on Wednesdays from 9 to 10. Oh, and yeah. then we record the show, Tim, mm-hmm. and it will be on the regular time, Thursdays at 5, Saturdays at 3, podcast at Voice of Truth with Mike Azinger. If you've not heard our show, don't... Um, don't know anything about us. We just talk about uh, culture, history, current events, and we bring it from a biblical perspective. Pastor Leversey, who co-hosts with me, had to step out for uh, a meeting, but uh, Tim Daller is... That's how you know it's live radio. You know, people have to come in and they have to leave sometimes. Yeah, that's how it works, yeah. and that's 
part of the fun of it. So, uh, Tim, did you know that Ford um, couldn't ship some of their finished cars? Did you hear about that? Do you what, know why? Was it is it a microchip? Nope. Shortage. That's what everyone thinks. There is a microchip. Yeah. Shortage. Do you know how many microchips are in a, a vehicle? Quite a few, actually. I was told that, yes. I had no clue. Twenty thousand. Yeah, and at any time, any any one of them can well, well can just it, go out. And uh, a Google <laughs> electromagnetic pulse, mm-hmm. and uh, that can be done by a foreign um, a foreign country that hates us, like Iran or Russia or somebody, uh, with a missile, or it could be a storm, of, of something of nature, and it would short circuit yeah. everything. And you can't drive; you couldn't drive any car made after two thousand or whatever. Um, so, have you ever, Mike, there's a book, it is a fictional book, but it it was co-written by um, Newt, Gring, from Newt, Newt um, Gingrich. It's yeah. called One Second After. Oh, yeah? And it's about... Is it about that? Yeah. Yeah, it's about, it, it's, it happens where, like, literally, life is going normal, and then one, one, one second later, everything just grinds to a halt. Yeah, so think about everything that is run by computers, which is everything. Yes, it is. Water. Supply, um, yeah. your electric, you know, the electric grid would be fried. Mm-hmm. It would be, we would be instantly, one minute after, a third world country yes. uh, with hospitals. What would happen to hospitals? Yeah. So, you know, if the Lord takes his hand of protection away, that could uh, <laughs> be a way that uh, something God does. Uh, that's why we need uh, we need to be praying for our country. Ford, guess what they ran out of? So finally, I'm going to get to this. Okay. Um, Ford ran out of, guess what the, you said, microchips. That was a good guess. Yeah. But what they actually ran out of was blue oval badges. Huh? <laughs> oh, okay. okay like um, On the front of the truck. Of so, all things. There you go. Look, Tim, I'm showing Tim the picture of it. Wow. It's a, the blue oval. So I have a Ford truck. And on the front, that you know, you've seen them. Everybody knows what yeah. the Ford emblem looks like. They ran out of them. Now, I didn't. How could you run out of blue oval emblems? Did somebody really make a really, really stupid mistake, or is that a little bit of a chilling reminder of of the supply chain that that uh, is in, in a perilous state? That's scary, really. I mean, it's funny because hey, Ford shut had to shut down. They don't have any blue <laughs> blue emblems well, for the their truck for their cars and trucks. But uh, uh, why why don't they? Yeah, and I mean, from a I mean, just from a business perspective, just you know, send out the vehicles and then just mail people the. So that's the what I'm thinking. But you know, do you do you want to buy a truck or a car? Without the blue emblem on it, I'm thinking I'm gonna. Well, I drive a Nissan, so it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. So nobody even knows what the emblem of a Nissan is. Yeah. But Nissan's a great little car. Yeah. Uh, I think my boy had a Nissan. I, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I've never bought a non-American car, but my boys have. Like we just, mm-hmm. my my oldest son, we just bought him over the weekend uh, a uh, Kia. Okay. So. But me, I'm like my dad. I've never I'm bought. Sure Kia and uh, and um and, and um, Hyundai are pretty much the same thing. Are they? Well, yeah. they they kind of look alike. But they're making yeah. some good looking cars now. Oh, yeah. Um, so anyway, Ford ran out of the blue oval badges and couldn't ship finished cars. 
That is sad. That's sad. It is sad. So there's a supply chain issue, folks, and that's a little bit scary. Uh, so I've got one more story that I'm gonna. Well, we got about we got five um, minutes. So yes. let me let me pull up another story that uh, is a little more serious. And let me pick one here. I, uh, all right, let's just do this one. The others I'll save for next week. So this is a little bit on the woke front. Uh, there's some. There's been some good news. Mm-hmm. And for example, the Oklahoma governor blocked a hundred million dollars from be, uh, being used for transgender health care. This Oklahoma governor's a stud. I heard him speak a couple months ago. He's saying he's like DeSantis, Tim. He's just saying, look, if you want to, if you want to give uh, hormone blockers to these kids, or or just uh, you know slice them up like mm-hmm. they're some kind of a uh, an animal, uh, you're, you're not getting any any uh, ARPA money, any uh, state money. So he's stepping in. He's stepping in big time, and he's a stud. But uh, look at uh, woke broke. This is a Todd Starnes story. DC Comics cancels Gay Superman. DC Comics announced they are pulling the plug on the controversial comic book series, The Man of Steel, whose motto was Truth, Justice, and uh, oh, the new one, mm-hmm. The Rainbow Way, Ugh. was killed not by kryptonite, but by disastrous sales. So the American people say, no, we're not, we're not supporting this. The gay Superman is Jonathan Kent, the son of Clark Kent, the original Man of Steel, and Lois Lane. DC Comics, I'm not into superheroes, you folks that are, um, but I do love to see, I do love to see the woke going broke. I love that. Every time DC Comics first announced the gay Superman last year, when Jonathan Kent became romantically involved with reporter Jay, whatever his name is, in Superman in the comics. Um, so it was called that series was Son of Cal L, number five, which saw thousands of fans stop buying the title. Comic book news first, re- cosmic book news. First reported, so they're doing the gay Superman, and uh, DC Comics going woke like everyone else, bunch of cowards like everyone else seems to be doing in the corporate world, generally speaking. But they paid for it financially. Mm-hmm. There is something about that, Tim. That oh, that yeah. these these companies go woke, and God pulls His hand of of blessing from them. Uh, PayPal, yeah, oh yes, just said, "Look, we're gonna, we're gonna, start, we're gonna take money from you if you, <clears throat> if you are involved in certain activities financially." That, th- they got caught. That happened. That 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 came out. What? Oh, what was uh, on a Saturday morning? I believe. I don't know. I don't remember the exact day. And by okay, I, I'm pretty sure it was it was a Saturday morning. And by that evening, over over a weekend, they. They had already walked it back. Yes, yes. Yeah. It was like instant. Yes, it was. Um, because uh, everyone's <laughs> popping up, canceling their Rick oh, yeah. Green. Rick Green, who's who's with uh, Wall Builders, David Barton's group. He got on there just furious. He had been with PayPal since '03, I think. Mm-hmm. He was mad because he couldn't get a hold of somebody to 
to cancel his PayPal, and he said, "Well, it's probably because so many other people are canceling." And that would be that yeah. would be my guess also. So there you go, go woke, go broke, and the that has a spiritual dimension to it because God won't bless that kind of garbage. Um, and this wokeness stuff needs stood up against. We'll talk next week, Tim, about what's going on in Virginia with with wokeness, where uh, where it's getting really bad. All right, this is the Voice of Truth Radio Show. We'll see you next week, folks. God bless. I will